today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Back to school for some students here in Ontario this week. Of course, we know the staggered openings, so not everybody started yesterday. Uh, but on the program yesterday, we talked with the Hamilton's Director of Education, Manny Figueroa, about what was happening in their preparations. And uh, we wanted to check in with our folks down in London, too, about what's happening at the uh, Thames Valley District School Board. Uh, Mark Fisher is the Education Director. We're going to talk to him in just a second. But to set the scene, I want to get Global's Mike Drolet in to get us, tell us what's going on province-wide. In Alberta, the number of schools with possible COVID cases is growing, with one Edmonton High School reporting 100 students now in isolation. And in Ottawa, 200 students and staff were reportedly exposed to six positive cases on school buses. They've now been told to quarantine. Health officials have said all along to expect positive cases once the school year got underway. The real test, they say, is if the safety rules put into place prevent individual cases from becoming outbreaks. And while it will be easy for parents to overreact, child psychology expert Todd Cunningham says it's never been more important for parents to keep anxiety levels low in their households. When we know that students are too anxious, learning stops. The brain actually starts to reconfigure itself into the fight or flight. So yes, if there's too much anxiety, child's not going to learn. They look very distracted all the time, or they become very quiet. Microlight Global News. So with that in the back of our minds as we get set to, to send the kids back to school, uh, we welcome back to the program Mark Fisher, who is the Education Director for the Thames Valley District School Board, uh, joining us here on the Bill Keller Show. Mark, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could hop on with us today. My pleasure, Bill. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. I, I get a little apprehensive, though, when I hear stories like from Mike Drolet from Global there. From, and we've seen this, Mark, anecdotally from jurisdictions that have already opened, not just here in Ontario, but in other parts of North America. And as expected, there is a spike and there's some concern. And uh, it, it, I think it validates an awful lot of the concerns that many of us have had about, is this too soon? Are we doing this the right way? What's what's the, the mindset in, in, with the London board right now, the Thames Valley board? I think our mindset is that we are uh, prepared and ready to start. We did our delayed entry, so we have all our yeah. kids coming back the week of September 14th. We have worked extensively with our local health units and the Ministry of Education. We have a multi-pronged approach. We have all kinds of health and safety protocols in place. And we think it's really, really important that uh, students have the opportunity to get back uh, to school in a safe environment and learn with and from one another. And, and that was the end game, I think, for all of us, wasn't it? I mean, I don't think anybody didn't want their kids to get back into school. It's just, is this the safest environment? And uh, as I'm sure me- never medical officers of health have told us and medical experts over the last couple of months now, uh, Mark, uh, this is not a perfect system, but it's is it as good as it can get? Well, I, I guess we'll find out next week, won't we? I think any return to school on a large scale brings with it some risk, and for us it's all about risk mitigation. And so it's all about putting in hand-washing protocols, uh, directionality arrows, limiting capacity in certain rooms, physically distancing to the degree that we can, wearing masks, putting plexiglass up, hand sanitizer, hand-washing protocols. So all of these things are in place. And so uh, I think we're as ready as we're ever going to be, and it's really we're really excited to get started next week. One of the concerns that uh, we've heard from parents uh, right across the province, of course, is uh, the what-if scenario. And I think it's not a matter of if there's going to be a spike. I think, you know, the medical officers of health, and Dr. Williams is going to be on our show later today, have all told us that there will be new cases probably emanating from some of these school districts. We get that. Uh, what's the protocol for the, for the Thames Valley Board, Mark, about how to handle that when you start seeing those? 
So we work really closely. We have two health units in this area, so we work yeah. really closely with uh, our health units. The minute that we have a confirmed case of COVID-19, we um, immediately launch into an investigation, and then we will do notification of people that have had direct contact, and then that may uh, initiate either uh, kids in that specific classroom going into a quarantine period or potentially even a school going into a quarantine period, depending on the severity of the outbreak. So if it's an isolated case, probably just the students in that classroom. If it's a little bit more extensive, then we will have a, a more extensive response. And, and this is being done, I, I would assume, in concert with the, the medical officers of health to get their read on there. They, they are the medical experts in the situation. And, and, of course, you've been working with them for some time now to develop this protocol. Yeah, we're fortunate in London. We have two really effective health units here that we work with. We also have a planning table of all the kind of key leaders from the local hospitals so that we are really prepared if and when we have a positive case of COVID-19. Of COVID how are the teachers handling this? I mean, there's some concern about them and the, you know, the, the environment. You know, and I don't want to get into the debate about how COVID may affect kids or not affect kids. I mean, that's a work in progress. We're learning more about COVID every day. And we know that everybody's at risk, whatever the age and situations like that. But there's uh, a number of teachers who have contacted me, some on the record, some off, that have expressed some serious concern about the work environment itself. Are, are, are they comfortable with the, with the protocol that you've developed? I think there's always levels of anxiety uh, amongst staff. I mean, this is a new reality for our teachers, but we have provided them with medical grade masks. We've provided all teachers with personal protective equipment. We have provided training videos. We had prototype schools. So we are really, really comprehensive in our preparations. Uh, recognizing all of that, there will be some anxiety. We're also asking teachers to teach in ways that they never have before. They're going to be wearing masks. They're going to be in secondary teaching one subject for the entire day. So it's a shift for all of us. But anytime we make these changes, uh, there are always potential for really positive uh, practices developing. When we talk about the protocol itself and, and the development of that, uh, when, when the province rolled out the, the parameters for that, and that was at the end of July, of course, uh, the biggest concern seemed to be about the social distancing aspect of that and, and the size of classrooms, which are very interrelated, of course, those two things. Uh, are you comfortable with, with what you've developed at the Thames Valley about, about dealing with that and the possibility of, of, of stopping the spread? So, again, I mean, I want to stay in my lane, so I am sure. a trained yeah, I educator. So we, we rely on uh, the medical experts from both the province and from our local areas. So we were basically given a set of parameters and guidelines to follow, which we have. And as I said, we have a multi-pronged approach with hand washing, masking, extensive cleaning. Uh, the other thing that's really important, we have daily screening that we're asking our parents every day to work with their children. And if you display any symptoms, stay away from school, stay home from school so that we don't have that happening. Uh, so we have all of these things in place. And then we were fortunate last week when we got that additional funding announcement from the federal government, which mm -hmm. allowed us to lower our class sizes. So our class sizes on average are two, three, and four students less than they ever have been at any other time. So that, that's good news. So we're doing everything that we can, and uh, I'm confident that we've mitigated risks uh, to a sufficient degree to bring kids back and uh, get back rolling.
That's the classroom environment. Yesterday in the program, as I'm, I'm sure you heard, we had the uh, Hamilton uh, Director of Education, Manny Figueroa, on. I asked him about uh, about concerns about the spread and about social distancing. And, and the, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, in the school environment, Mark, is, well, for elementary school, it would be recess time, break time. Uh, for high school students, uh, cafeteria time, you know, where there's the possibility of, of, of large groups getting together. Uh, the recess time, I guess, in elementary schools, what they've decided to do here in Hamilton is stagger those. So it's not going to be a large uh, number of kids that are out in the playground or on the school property at any given time, and uh, some restrictions within the cafeteria, too. How is uh, Thames Valley handling this? Yeah, we're doing something very similar. So for uh, elementary schools, we're staggering recesses so that there will never be more than 50 kids out uh, at any one time. So practically what that means is that we're putting two classes out at any one time, and those two classes will always be the same. So the direct contact points for any of those students will be under 50, which is the recommendation of the provincial health units. In our secondary schools, we're actually not opening our cafeterias. We're having, for lunch, we're having our students eat their lunches in their classroom uh, to limit, again, the contact points for each student. Yeah, that makes an awful lot of sense. I, I think they're keeping the cafeterias open here, but there's no food service. Uh, but obviously, they, the, the way the tables and chairs are going to be set up is going to be key to this as well. Uh, you, you, it sounds as if you've covered all the bases here. And, and as we said at the beginning of this conversation, there, there is no perfect methodology here. I mean, you, you, you've, you've got to do this next week. I'm sure there's going to be a constant evaluation and reevaluation as to how are things going. And, and if you have to make changes on the fly, obviously, you're going to have to do that. But, uh, you know, that, that, that really comes from the analysis that's going to happen and the feedback I guess you're going to get. Yeah, that's a great insight. Like basically, we've been working on this plan since June, and every week new variables have been introduced, which have forced us to adapt and update our plan. Obviously, that's in the conceptual or theoretical stage. We're now implementing that practically, and so we will take in information really on a daily basis and make adjustments and adaptations, and we're committed to informing our broader community the minute we make any kind of changes. So uh, we are always looking for that sweet spot between high-quality teaching and learning and obviously keeping everyone safe. Yeah, the other element to this, and I guess we got a, a, a chilling reminder of that yesterday when the province uh, announced, the Ford government announced that uh, they were kind of hitting the pause button on the recovery plan here because of the, uh, well, I don't think they call it a spike, but anyway, there's a blip in the, in the number of new cases, and that's raising some concern. So erring on the side of caution, which I, I assume is going to be the same mantra that the, the Thames Valley Board is going to do. Oh, absolutely. So we are fully prepared uh, on a moment's notice to convert our entire system over to a full remote learning if necessary. Uh, so really we will again consult regularly and consistently with the medical professionals and if we get the instruction that we need to uh, shift a school or a part of the district or even in the entire district we will do that. And, and that's uh, not the scenario that you'd like to do but it may be one that gets presented. I mean as I say this is a very malleable situation uh, that that has to be flexible of course and, and obviously you built that into it. If you had to go down that road uh, not every but he has that access, of course, to, to Internet and things of that nature in their own homes. Uh, is there a plan to, to accommodate those students who may need that sort of assistance? So, in, in essence, we had to do that during the emergency distance learning from last I thought March so, yeah. to June. So, really, we here distributed over 14,000 devices and a couple of thousand of Internet-enabled internet devices. And then we also have certain segments of our population that uh, do not have access to the Internet. So we have a, a printing shop here at the board office that we also send paper comp copies. So we are ready to uh, shift and transition uh, should that require. We're also ready if 
things uh, turn more positive, that we could bring people back to a fully conventional model. Uh, our elementary kids will be coming every day, but our secondary kids are really on a, on a half-time basis, half remote and half face-to-face. So, and again, that's that's that malleable plan. Uh, this is all, of course, you talk about how long this is going to go on, and that's a question I get asked by an awful lot of parents these days. Uh, it's it's not going to end anytime soon. Obviously, we're all looking towards a vaccine, and uh, if you can get the politics out of that, and I'm not going to drag you into that, Mark, I wouldn't do that to you, uh, but the medical off, off experts are telling us it's probably going to be early next year at the earliest that we're going to see something like that. So uh, it seems as if at least maybe through this entire school year, this is the protocol that just about every board is going to have to follow. Yeah, I think it's really important. Like, we have developed models for full face-to-face, kind of partial face-to-face, and full remote. And we are prepared at any time to shift. And we recognize we have a large geographic area. Our our school board is actually 7,000 square kilometers. So it could be, you know, City of London could be in one model, and one of our counties, Middlesex or Elgin or Oxford, could be in a different model. So we are prepared to be responsive to the needs of our local communities. And again, taking your your lead from not just your local medical offices of health, but of course the provincial government uh, in concert with those too. I mean, we keep hearing the discussion about a spike in sometime in the fall and, and a number of different scenarios, I guess. And uh, you, you you plan for them and hope they don't happen, but at least you know that if that we start going down that road as a province, uh, that there is an, uh, an opportunity to, to implement whatever plan you've got there in the, in, you know, as a backup for situations like that. I mean, we, we were all scrambling in last March because, you know, we didn't know COVID. We didn't know the impact. We didn't know the impact it was going to have on just about every aspect of our lives. Uh, we know better now. And that, that, that education that we got, I guess, last spring is, is going to be key in how we move forward as this develops again. I think that's a great point. And also, like, uh, our teachers are much more proficient now on all the digital platforms. So we now have a system where every single teacher in the district will be on one of our two approved platforms. So that was not the case uh, last March. We probably only had half or two-thirds that were comfortable in that space. So that's a, a perfect example of how we have evolved and developed uh, and the type of online learning that students will get this year will be much more uh, detailed and, and uh, comprehensive than what they had between March and June when we were in that emergency learning situation. Uh, email here from Melissa, who's listening to our conversation, asking uh, what accommodation are you making for special needs students in, at, at both high school and uh, elementary schools? So that's a great question. We know that many students with special needs uh, struggled with the emergency distance learning. So one of the things that we have done is we uh, are allowing all of those students that are in self-contained classes to attend every day, even if they're uh, of secondary age in an adapted model. And the other thing that we're doing, instead of having those students with special education needs in congregated classes become part of our virtual schools, when they select distance learning, they're still connected with their educational assistant and their teacher uh, from their regular class so that they will have that relationship going back and forth. And should they be wishing at some point to transition back to the face-to-face model, we're, we're ready to welcome them. We know that, the, well, every case is different, of course, with some of the special needs students. But, I mean, change can be problematic for all of us, I guess, really, Mark. But uh, and for some of those students, it's, it's especially troublesome. Uh, the education assistants play a key role in that, don't they? They play, they play a huge role, and I think that relationship between the educational assistant, the teacher, the student, and the parent uh, is absolutely vital for the success uh, of everyone involved.
Mark, we want to wish you all the best uh, as this rolls out next week uh, in, in your area, of course, in Thames Valley, uh, about what's going to be happening. Obviously, we're watching what the province is dictating and, and uh, concerned about this. Uh, as I say, this is, uh, this is all uncharted territory for an awful lot of us, but it, uh, it sounds as if you put a great deal of work and uh, got a lot of input, I'm, I'm sure, uh, from the community and from the uh, the, the stakeholders in, in this whole process to make sure that you've got the best possible plan. The, you, you seem pretty comfortable, and I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, you're pretty confident that this is going to roll out and, and, and it's going to fulfill the needs of, of the students and the teachers in the, uh, the months, I think, going forward. Yeah, we've done a tremendous amount of work. We take it one step at a time, one day at a time, and we're prepared to adapt. Uh, but we're confident that we're ready to go and meet the needs of our broader community. Mark, thanks for the time today and uh, continue good luck with what you guys are doing. Yeah, reach out. Uh, happy to chat with you anytime, Bill. I look forward to that. Thanks again, Mark. Mark Fisher, who is the Education Director for the Thames Valley District School Board. Uh, his point's well taken. As I say, the, the, the huge area uh, of uh, London and Middlesex counties and everything else, there's an awful lot of students and a lot of ground to cover there. And uh, every board is going to be different. There's slight changes between uh, what we heard from Mark with the Thames Valley Board and, of course, what we heard from Manny Figueroa and the Hamilton Board. Uh, look at some of the stories about how Toronto is handling this, too. Uh, minor differences in, in, in the approach to this. But, I mean, the, the intent here is obviously maximize public safety uh, and to do anything about stopping the spread, of course. And, you know, we'll see what happens. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.